Man, you could have kept going for like 30 more minutes, and I'd have been fine. Uh, but let's take a moment right now and pray for these two ministries. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the joy of gathering together as your people. Uh, Lord, thank you for what you're doing through Habitat for Humanity and through Jessica coming. And Lord, we do pray that you would grant wisdom to them as they continue to minister in the community. Lord, what a blessing it is to see houses go up and people get involved in what you're doing. It's the privilege to participate with you in the way that you're moving in the community. So, Lord, we thank you and we pray that you would continue to be with them, give great wisdom and understanding so that they can move forward and continue to serve. Lord, we thank you that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus and everybody does have a place. Everybody has a plan because you give us purpose to serve you wherever you're working. So we thank you. And Lord, we do pray for JP and Laurie and, and all those who have gone with them out from this church to plant New City. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to give them great uh, fruit in what they're doing. Lord, we know, well, we can't even imagine, some of us, I can't myself imagine what it is that they go through. And so we pray that you would give them strength. Father, we thank you for the rest that they can enjoy, particularly JP as he rests and, and does things where he can actually see something finish. We rejoice in that. We pray for Hakeem and Antoinette that you would continue to work in them, that which is pleasing in your sight. Lord, we thank you for this guy who's uh, contacted them and who's involved in the church now. We thank you for whatever it is you've already done, and we pray that you would continue to work. We thank you for those who have professed faith in Christ, and we ask, Lord, that you would continue to bring more. Lord, we rejoice that you are building your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What a great, great comfort that is to us as we labor. So, Father, as we come now to your word, we ask that you would lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would teach us, we pray that you would open up our eyes, that we would see wonderful things in your word, and you would move us, Lord, to respond to what it is that you're doing. So thank you for our time this evening. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to continue in Philippians. Or we'll finish in Philippians tonight, since it's our last time together. So Philippians chapter 4 is where we will be. And before we get there, I do just want to say thank you as well to... The mission committee here, I want to say thank you to the leadership. It has been my privilege to be with you because God is working, and I've been able to get a glimpse of that. So thank you for letting me come and, and be a part of what God's doing here. It's been exciting. So thank you. Also want to say thank you to not only your pastor, but your chef as well. The chicken and rice soup tonight was excellent. I came a little early today and saw him stirring it, and uh, it was just really good. So everyone who cooked, man, it was, it was great. I almost don't want to go back home, and I want to stay tomorrow night for dinner. You guys doing dinner tomorrow night, too? <laughs> so I'll be here, maybe. Uh, but really, thank you for letting me be a part of what, what the Lord's doing here. We're looking at the promise in faith promise giving tonight 
We're going to finish out in Philippians 4. We've looked at several different things. We started with the privilege of participating with God and seeing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We've taken the time to think about what it is when we have the privilege to connect with our missionaries, to get to know them, to get to understand a little bit more about them. Last night we looked at the privilege that we have to partner with our missionaries. When we looked at Paul's partnership with the Philippians and how we have the privilege to pray for our family members when they're all throughout the world laboring. We've uh, talked a little bit in our time about the privilege to go cross-culturally with the gospel. Uh, and maybe some here are in that, in that kind of sphere right now. You're wondering, Lord, would you have me go? If you don't know, I would assume that you do, but just in case you don't know, the PCA, through MTW, Mission to the World, they're praying for 1% of the PCA churches to send to the harvest field. Our church is, is participating in that. We want to send 1% of our members. And so I would challenge you, maybe somebody in here is 1% of your congregation here that will go out cross-culturally. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's not me. Well, I would just encourage you. Maybe it is. Uh, and, and maybe you're thinking, well, my career is over. Well, we had a, a couple not too long ago in our church that they are spending their second career with MTW in Plovdiv, Bulgaria. Uh, this guy was a very successful businessman. His wife was a successful elementary school teacher. And his wife said to him that she would never go on the mission field. And then God called him to the mission field. And she's doing kindergarten in a box. They thought they were going to go to Romania, but they're now working with uh, the gypsies in uh, Bulgaria, the Roma people there. And she's teaching kindergarten, and he's teaching business as mission as their second career. So you never know what the Lord wants to do. That's the privilege of going, and maybe God's calling you. But tonight, we will finish with the privilege of faith promise giving in missions. Faith promise giving. Now, I thought about going into that and explaining it, but you have done such an excellent job as a mission committee explaining that in your little booklet. So I would just say, go to your booklet, even if you think you know what it is. Go to your booklet and read exactly what the faith promise giving in missions is for your church here. It's an excellent piece, and I read it this afternoon for the second time this weekend, and I would just encourage you to do that. So go to your booklet and read about faith promise giving. But now we will come to Philippians 4, verses 10 through 19. Philippians 4, 10 through 19. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. 
Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So a few years back, I went on a short-term mission journey to a little remote village in Haiti. The village is called St. Martin. You can kind of see it on this map. It's a little fuzzy, but I went with a team of adults from our church. And again, we're, we, I told you earlier, I believe, that uh, just yesterday we sent out another team to go to this same village, St. Martin. But the year that I went was 2017, and previous to that, in October of 2016, you, rem- you might remember that Hurricane Matthew blew through Haiti, as well as other places. But it went through Haiti, and it went through right in the middle of this village. The eye of the hurricane went through St. Martin. It's a small rural village, as I said. There's no running water. There's no electricity. It's really in the middle of nowhere. You go to the road ends, and then you keep going about another hour to get there. Uh, This village was especially vulnerable because the eye of the hurricane went through it. And I would say probably 80% of the trees, you can't really see in that picture, but probably 80% of the trees were leveled, or they were just broken in half. And uh, the homes were destroyed. The roofs were blown off. Most of the people in this village, as you can imagine, are farmers, and their crops were just completely destroyed. Because of its location and the fact that there are really no roads that go there, no help had been given to them because nobody could actually get to them. The guy that we go with is the son of one of our uh, teaching elders who's retired in our congregation, and when he went in... November, right after it happened, they had to wade through the ocean to actually get there. So five months had passed after Hurricane Matthew came through here, came through this particular village, and nobody had been there to help this village get back on their feet. And the church that they meet in was really the center of the community, had probably three-fourths of the roof had been taken off of the church and so they've been meeting for five months whether it rained or not in this church with most of the roof just completely torn off and so our little team went down there to really serve alongside them to help put the roof back up onto their church and so as we were down there after I got over my sickness because of something I ate which made me be on a cot for two days after that uh, we were out on pastoral visitations And we were just basically visiting the homes of the people that go to the church. And so as I was out visiting these people and praying with them and talking about the night of the hurricane, we came upon this house. Go back to the other one. Uh, That is what used to be a house. That was actually a six-room house. And you can see it's just a slab of cement. It's right on the ocean. So the hurricanes, the winds or whatever it was just took the house, and then my guess is the waves just, you know, leveled it. You can see those two 
lines or coconut trees, they basically fell on the house. So as we came upon this house and its utter destruction, this couple, which is in the next slide, this couple, is the, they are the owners of the house. And as we were talking to them, we asked them if we could pray for them, but it was as if they should have prayed with, for us as we were talking to them. Because throughout the conversation, this couple, especially the wife, said probably three or four times, I'll never forget, she said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then she would immediately follow that up with, I will praise the name of the Lord. My question to you tonight is, how big is God to you? See, because this woman, her faith was in the God of the Bible who promises to meet all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And this is where we find ourselves tonight as we read this last chapter, this closing chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. My prayer for us tonight is that we would look to our great God who created us, who redeemed us, and who promises to provide for us all that we need. And that we would trust the Holy Spirit to work the gift of generosity in us and through us. The first thing I want to say about faith promise giving is that really it has very little, if anything, to do with us. Our circumstances, our finances, our pledge, our promise to God. Rather, it has everything to do with God's faithfulness to us. And his promise to us, his provision for us. So let's take a look at how God advances his kingdom through faith promise giving, just in a few areas. The first thing I want to look at is verse 10, and we'll see the church's assets there. Verse 10, the church's assets. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Okay, so what's going on here? The Apostle Paul, who is the missionary, if you will, has written this letter to the Christians at Philippi, and we've talked about that. It's a biblical example of a support letter. If you want to understand a theology of raising support, what that means, what it looks like, I would say go to Philippians and read it again and again. Because raising support is so much more than just having your hand out all the time and asking for money. It's interesting as the role that I have as a missions pastor, I hear people all the time, whether it's somebody who wants to go into missions and they're trying to decide maybe this is what I should, should do but I have to raise support or maybe it's somebody who is responding. I hear this all the time for people who are talking about people who are going into missions and raising support and this is what they say, you know, I just have a problem with raising support. I just don't think that I could go around all the time holding my hand out asking people for money. And when I hear that, I, I just have to think to myself for a minute, if that is our view of raising support, then it's just not biblical. It's not biblical. And this is why I have a problem with things like the GoFundMe accounts and missions and things of that nature. I don't, I don't think those things are bad in them, of, of themselves, but in missions, I don't think they're right because uh, there's a big biblical difference in raising funds and raising support. And what's the difference, you might say? Well, because raising support is not raising money at all. 
It's raising people. Because people are the ones that have the relationships. Raising funds is just that, raising money. But raising support and missions is raising people because people create relationships. And this is what we see between Paul and the Philippians, right? We've talked about it all weekend. It's a relationship that stood year after year. Probably at this point where he's writing this letter to him, it's probably been about 10 years that they've had this relationship, 10 years strong. Their relationship began when Paul showed up in Philippi and he preached the gospel. He planted the church, Acts 16. Then Paul moved on to Thessalonica and the Christians at Philippi probably stayed connected to him by giving gifts. We read that in First and Second Thessalonians. But because Paul was a traveling missionary and he went on several different mission journeys that we know of, It was difficult for the Philippians to keep up with them. So at some point, they probably lost contact. He went to other places like Berea, Athens, Corinth. And then here he's made his way to a prison in Rome. And that's when he's writing back to the Philippians. The Philippians always had a relationship with Paul, but they were not always able to give because they didn't always know about his needs. See, whenever there is a need, any need... Step one is to take a look at the assets. And the assets here are built around the relationship. There's concern. There's carrying one another's burdens. Verse 14 says, to share my trouble, to carry my burden. Paul says about the Philippians, we saw last night in chapter 1, how he has great affection for them. I hold you in my heart, he says, When the Philippians heard about Paul's needs in prison, they were able to give because of their relationship with him. So think about it a moment. What are the assets at Trinity when it comes to faith promise giving? Money? Is money an asset? Absolutely. But the greatest asset is God himself. And the second greatest asset are the people here. The people here create the relationships. A relationship with money is idolatry. But a relationship with people is a partnership. One of the most significant things that you can do, that I can do as a response of this weekend, is just to enter into a relationship with one of your partners. And what does that look like? Well, learn about their family. Their likes and their dislikes, their field of service, what makes them tick, get to know them up close and personal, build a relationship with them. When you do that, your giving to missions will increase. So let's get to know Paul just a little bit more as a missionary. And let's look at his mindset, verses 11 through 13. Paul says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, there's a secret here that Paul's learned, and and if you and I were able to learn this, our lives would be transformed. It's the secret of contentment. This is almost anti-human stuff. It's definitely anti-American stuff in the day and age of supersizes and big gulp slurpees. It's not known. And so it's a secret. It's not practiced. Only a few actually get it. In another letter that Paul's writing to Timothy, a young pastor, he says this, Godliness 
with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. See, Paul knew that his life didn't exist in the things that he owned or he didn't own, but his life existed in the one who owned him. So in these various seasons, he had great need, but at other times, his needs were completely met. In both of those circumstances, it was the Lord that had worked contentment into his life. Paul was consecrated unto the Lord not the kind of person who's tossed to and fro because of the, re- the circumstances in their life. And I think every good missionary will have this type of mindset. But that's the thing, see? It's not just a mindset for the missionary. It's the mindset that I'm supposed to have and you're supposed to have as well. So how does that play out for you and me as senders? Well, it plays out in faith promise giving. See, because God doesn't really need our money. Actually, God doesn't even want our money. He wants us. He wants my heart, and he wants your heart. And when he gets that, your heart, your soul, your mind, he can strengthen us in whatever we face, whether it's plenty or it's in need. When he has our hearts and our minds, he's the one that will strengthen us. And then we'll begin to see it when he starts to provide for our faith promise. One of the biggest problems that we face as senders is when he provides, and God always provides, when he does that, we just miss it. (laughs) Let me share with you about my faith promise pickup truck. A few years back, uh, our church was making a faith promise commitment. It was our mission conference, and my wife and I, we had decided what we were going to do for our faith promise. We made that commitment to one another, to the Lord, to ourselves, and we put down something, and I'm thinking to myself, how is this going to happen, you know? What, what's, what's this going to look like, Lord? Well, we felt like that's what it was, and then I'm going to tell you, within the week, my pickup truck was given to me for five dollars. Five dollars. I already had a vehicle, I didn't need that vehicle, so I decided to sell that vehicle. Sold that vehicle for the faith promise amount and then a good bit more. But let me tell you, I didn't make that connection until about a month later when I was thinking about my faith promise. God provided it that week, and I completely missed it until a month later. So that's my faith promise pickup truck. And now I'll never forget that, right? Because that's what the Lord does. He provides, we just sometimes miss it. Now I hope you're tracking with me. Let's take a look at what we've seen so far. We've seen the church's assets, people. God himself first, but then people. We see another group of people, the missionaries that the church supports. They come together in a relationship we've talked about all weekend. But it's not just any relationship because there's great purpose to this relationship. We're going to expand a little bit more on that tonight. It's a global gospel relationship or partnership. And we see that in verses 14 through 18. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. 
Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more, and I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You know, it's interesting here that Paul says partnership with me in giving and receiving. We've seen over and over again how the Philippians gave to Paul, but what did they receive? The text says giving and receiving. What did they receive? I mean, Paul knows that in every good relationship, there's give and take. If one side's always given, that side will give out eventually, so there's give and take. What did they receive? The text says they received fruit that increases to your credit. Well, what's that about? In this gospel partnership with Paul, the Philippians received a wealth of spiritual transformation that can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit working in hearts through their finances. Well, simply put, God changed their lives and he used their finances to do it. Faith, promise, giving, and missions will change your life. There's a guy named Roy Goebel. He's an entrepreneur and he's the author of a book, maybe some of you have read it, it's called Junkyard Wisdom, Roy Goebel. This book is about wealth and poverty and what it means to follow Jesus in a world of wealth and abundance. So at the age of 28, Roy Goebel had been to seven of the ten best hotels in all of the world. And the only thing he could think about is how am I going to get to those other three hotels that are the top ten in the world. He's a Christian and at that time he felt the Holy Spirit speaking to him and this is what the Holy Spirit said said, you're 28 years old, and this is how you really want to live your life for me? Now, it was a watershed moment for Roy in that time, and he began a journey to understand relationships and generosity. And this is what he said. He said, giving away money is good, but it's incomplete. The wealthy can give a lot of money away and never experience a transformation of their heart. Do you want to transform your heart and grow spiritually? Build a relationship with someone else. Make a friend. And I would say, make a friend with somebody who's not like you. Relationship with someone else. Make a friend. It will transform your heart. When we love people and we invest generally, generously in those we call friends, and their presence in our lives will create accountability for our decisions. That's a gospel partnership of giving and receiving. It changes the person, it changes you as well. But note one more thing here. Faith promise giving is sacrificial. It's not sacrificing for our missionaries. The text says it's a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. When we sacrifice in our everyday lives for the sake of the gospel going to the nations. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's choosing one week not to go out to eat. Uh, maybe it's choosing to watch, you know, a red box movie instead of going to the actual theater, which costs an arm and a leg nowadays. Maybe it's you drive the old car a few more years before you buy the shiny new car. Maybe you just wear the clothes that you already own that are in your closet before going out to buy more. I, I don't know what it is. You fill in the blank. But these lifestyle sacrifices, not necessarily for the missionaries, but for the Lord, they're acceptable and pleasing to God when the money that we save goes toward missions. Why is that? Well, God smiles. 
Why does he smile? Because his name is going to the nations, to those who don't know about the Lord Jesus. His glory is going forth. Finally, we come to verse 19. Verse 19 is one of, if not the most comforting verses in the whole Bible. It is the promise in Faith Promise Missions. It's the whole reason that churches can give. It's the whole reason that missionaries can actually go. And though the task is unfinished now, this promise guarantees that the task of the gospel going to the nations will be finished one day in the future. Verse 19 comes with power. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What need do you have this evening? I could spend the rest of our time listing out the needs that we have. We all, we all have different needs, to be sure. Maybe you need a, a job or a home, or maybe you need counseling for your marriage. Maybe you just need somebody to, to talk to. Maybe you need a friend. There are tons of needs, and they're unique to each one of us. But I want to submit to you that there's one need that we all have, and eternity hangs on this one need. We all need Jesus. Every single one of us has a sin-sick problem that only Jesus can fix. So I need to ask you, have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? If you've not found forgiveness for your sins in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross, I beg you this evening, turn to him. Jesus paid the debt that we could never pay, and he paid it all. Our sins are many, but his mercy is more. But if you have trusted Jesus and he's made you new, then you understand the need that everyone has around the world. People are dying all over the world without hearing this good news. But through faith, promise, giving, and missions, we can do something about it, though. We can do something about it through the Sibleys in Orangeburg or the Sawyers in Boston. We can do something about it through the tailors in Southeast Asia. Partnerships can impact lives around the world from right here in Orangeburg. Missionaries need to be sent all over the world because there are people all over the world that have the same sin-sick problem that you and I have. It is an unfinished task. But there's no need to shrink back from this because we have so many promises from God's word that say he's going to promise to fulfill it. Philippians 4.19 is one, but there's others, 2 Corinthians 9.8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And again, you hear in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God wants to use us. It's our privilege to participate with him. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, we give you great thanks this evening. We thank you for a great couple of days that we can spend together as your people. To look to you, to hear from you, to sing to you, to pray and speak with you and to listen to you. Lord, what a great privilege it is to be your people. We thank you. But Lord, most importantly, we thank you for your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's come into our hearts, 
with our sin-sick problem, and he's died for us. He's forgiven us of our sins, and he's caused us to have peace with you once again. God, thank you. Thank you for Christ. Lord, at the same time, we realize that there are others around the world, in this community and other places, that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we want to participate with you in what you're doing around the world. So move us, we pray. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.